Welcome to Terminal Value. So everything I do here at Terminal Value is based around one big question, and that is how do growth-oriented people transform their business and their life to achieve world-class levels of value in everything they do? That is the question, and I am here to bring you the answers. My name is Doug Utberg, and this is Terminal Value. I publish new podcast episodes five times per week. So make sure to subscribe so you don't miss any content. And also make sure to follow me on social. You can just look for the Doug Utberg handle. Please comment and let me know your thoughts. I'm looking forward to working together so that we can make your life amazing. We have William Toady with us today. And what we're we're going going to be talking about is how veterans can become these superpower employees for your company. And so William actually has quite a bit of experience with this because he spent 26 years in the Navy and he also spent 16 years in industry after the Navy in senior leadership positions in a number of companies. And one of the things that he observed, by the way, I should just start off by saying that I was in the Marine Corps at Marine Reserves. So, you know, it's still the same Marines, but I was mm-hmm. at a reserve company as opposed to active duty. So we may take a couple little jibs at each other, uh, you know, since that uh, Navy Marine Corps tends to have a little bit of a rivalry relationship rivalry, going. Yeah. But one of the things that William learned throughout his career was that a number of companies really struggle with how to get the most out of their veteran employees. Because of course, a lot of people have veteran hiring programs because it's one of the things that is disclosed, you know, as a part of diversity and inclusion initiatives. And almost everybody can tell you how many veterans they've hired, they can't tell you how many are still around after five years or how many have ascended to positions of influence, of management or responsibility. And one of the things that Williams observed is that you know veterans have a very unique talent and skill set, but most companies are not intrinsically structured to take the most advantage of that. And so what that means is if you hire somebody who's a veteran and then just put them into the normal pool with the rest of your employees, unless you are, it's, it's a combination of them being very assertive and you being very lucky, you will not get the most out of them that you could. You got and that so, exactly right, Doug. <laughs> Absolutely. So William, let's continue going down this rabbit hole here. Go the ahead. irony here is that the more successful the veteran was on active duty, uh-huh. potentially the more challenging that veteran's transition will be to industry. And it's the old theme, what got you here won't get you there. Right? Marshall Goldsmith, amazing great, book, by the way. Great book, great book. And it, it is doubly true for veterans. So, And the more senior that veteran was on active duty, the more likely they are to believe that their methods mm-hmm. translate. Uh-huh. And they often don't. And the oh, more hard-headed they'll be, about changing the methods, right? And particularly, and it was a big eye-opening experience for me. I commanded a submarine. I commanded a submarine squadron. I was commodore of a submarine squadron. And then I had a third level command after that. And so when I first joined industry, and I'll admit it was Raytheon, after leaving the Navy after 26 years, and they invited me to take a business leadership course, Uh I railed at the idea anybody in that company could teach me anything about leadership, <laughs> right? Because I'd been a leader since I was in my 20s. And what it, it turns out that, you know what, I was very wrongheaded. And, and I swallowed my pride and I said, okay, uh, I'm starting all over again. I'm not going to assume I know anything. I'll do it. I'll show them how wrong they were. 
to send me this class. And it turns out it was eye-opening. It really was. It was a wonderful class. It really talked about creating a business vision mm-hmm. for your employees and leading through that vision. Not something I'd ever had to do in the military. Yeah. And yet, decades that followed, 16 years in industry, I saw military veterans transition into my company mm-hmm. and make the same mistakes I did over and over and over and over again. And that's when I figured out it's systemic. It's the way they're taught. It, they, yeah. These aren't one-off errors. When the veteran's transitioning out of the military, the military gives them training and the training is 100% wrong. And so- well, I would actually semi-disagree, not completely, okay. but semi. Okay. So- I would say that the training is 100% wrong for the civilian business sector, because generally speaking, at least my experience with the way that military leadership is taught is it's very hierarchical and it's very Mm -hmm. top down. And there's a really good reason for that. And that is that if you are in a combat environment, you do not have time to collaborate. There has to be a decision, even if it's a bad decision, it has to get made, it has to get made quickly, and it has to be executed quickly. Otherwise, everybody dies. Well, you're exactly right. But that That's otherwise operational leadership, right? Yes. And what I refer to, and I wrote a book about this and, and about how to transition successfully from the military industry. And what I refer to is situational leadership. And so you need different leadership styles depending on what environment you find yourself in. Unfortunately, a lot of military people are not yeah. taught that, right? Yes. They're taught one size fits all leadership, big yeah. hammer leadership. <laughs> Although, one thing I will say is that linear operational leadership is amazing during crisis situations. It is. Uh, Don't abandon it. And in fact, I've had crises in industry where I had to rely on operational leadership skills. But that was like a tiny fraction of 1% of my industry career, right? So what I tell my my transitioning military friends is leadership is hard, but it's even harder when you're leading people who can actually quit. And that's when you (laughs) say that, a light bulb comes on, right? Because- I was commanded a submarine and my crew might have disagreed with something I decided to do. But in final analysis, there was no place for them to go. They weren't leaving that submarine. Yeah. 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 You're you're in a boat 300 feet under the water. You're not going anywhere. Exactly. In industry, it's not like that at all. I make that point, obviously firing for effect when I make that point. It usually results in in an epiphany Uh for the veteran, right? And I follow it up with... If your people are abandoning your ship and industry, that's not on them. That's on you. And they, they'll complain about the modern society, young people today, and how yeah. there's no loyalty, and they rotate companies every two years. And I said, dude, you rotated jobs in the military every two yeah. years, right? So don't tell me that, that yeah. this is something new, because you know, that's typical rotation yeah. timeline for a military, in the military. So what I really do is tell them, you got to understand you're making this transition into a brand new operating environment. I don't care if you're an admiral, Mm -hmm. you're an ensign all over again. In this new environment, you know nothing about what it takes to succeed. And when I talk to my business friends, whether they're CEOs like Mm -hmm. I was, or HR recruiters or, or HR training people, I say, you can't simply hire veterans, pound your chest about the number of veterans you've hired and then throw them into the deep end because they're not going to transition well. They won't learn. They won't assimilate. You'll lose them. You'll be unhappy because you'll say, wow, 
this veteran experiment didn't go very well. Maybe I shouldn't hire another veteran into that position again, right? Maybe that was too much of a stretch assignment for that person. And of course, the veteran will be unhappy. They'll be turned off. Transition brings enough stress as it is for the veterans without failing Mm -hmm. in their first job, right? And so, you know, and and we could talk about veteran suicide rates and all that and, and things like failing in their first civilian job do contribute to those things. But really, the company has to own transition success for their veterans. And it doesn't take- Although actually, can can I just interject real quick? I don't want to go past that too fast because preventing veteran suicide is actually something that I'm very passionate about because a lot of people don't know this, but veteran suicide rates per 100,000 are considerably higher than general population rates. That's right. A lot. And your window- of suicide rates, about 18-month window after people leave active duty and are assimilating into civilian life, the suicide rates increase by about 50%. So that is, it might be, you know, at least the, the latest study I saw, it was about a 50% differential. It's correct. Um, it's a big difference. And, and it's so, much higher for people who don't succeed in correct. their first career when they transition. Correct. correct. So, so what yeah. I would say is if you know anybody who is transitioning out of the military, give them support. Don't wait for them to ask for it because they won't. Reach out. Because they're not used to asking for Yes. Yes, exactly. Reach out. And this is the PSA. We'll get back to the regular topic in a minute, but reach out and make sure that they know that there's people behind them because that is probably one of the biggest tragedies I think that's coming out of people who have been serving the country is that they struggle with assimilating and a lot of them have chosen to take, end up choosing to take their own life because of that. Yeah, that is exactly right. You know, the thing is, it doesn't take a lot of effort to make that not happen. It takes caring and it takes basically taking ownership for that veteran's success. So there's the altruistic reason for why you should help the veteran succeed, but there's a business reason too, because if you do help that veteran succeed, they will be your best employees. And I'll say that categorically because in the military, we have this expression driving through the suck. They know what a tough, leaning into the discomfort is the civilian ex- expression for driving through the suck. They'll be able to do that till the cows come home. They'll yes. be able, they will adapt to appropriate leadership skills. They will take ownership for whatever aspect of the business you're loading them up with. They will find a sense of purpose. You know, and that's one of the things I talk about in the book is that finding the mission when you've been serving your country, finding the me- mission is kind of like axiomatic. Yeah. It's obvious. It's right there in front of you. It's defending the country. When you transition yeah. into company, the company can help those veterans find the mission because there is a mission. And that mm-hmm. was one of the great wondrous epiphanies for me is, hey, I have a mission here too. And it's a good mission. And you know, I can support this. I can get behind this mission. It's not just about the dollars. It's yes. about it's yeah. something larger. And so the company can really, really help the veteran understand all of this and adapt and succeed in this new environment. And when the company does that, those veterans will pay huge dividends. The ROI will be enormous. Yeah. Well, because just based on my observation, one of the things that I've seen is that I think there's a couple of different ways that you can utilize veterans very successfully. I think number one is to give them the, uh, I would say, give them the influence-based leadership tools so that they can have, you know, have that rounded leadership skill set. Because 
in an ordinary situation, it's situational leadership is 100% the way that you want to do things. You want right. to be able to inspire people to, to move forward, set a vision, and then adapt how and what type of support you give people based on the situation. On the other hand, when you're in a crisis situation, right, you know, when you have a project that's due, when you have a data breach, when you have some sort of PR or safety nightmare, you need that operational leadership. You need unquestioned authority and better. You will not find somebody better than a veteran to step into that gap and fill those shoes. Yes, sadly, we've had, I've had experienced several crises, life and death crises Mm -hmm. in my companies that required me to become the Commodore again, right? Just for a brief period of time, a few hours or something like that. But in general, of course, that's not necessary. But the veterans can learn other methods. And, and yes, exactly. some veterans will come to you already knowing those other methods. Not everybody is a Marine. I got my jab in, right? <laughs> Where they you know, move, motivate people with a hammer and screaming. That was my job. You got to come back at me at some point. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so, and interestingly, you, know, you can almost predict which challenges you're going to face based on what service the veteran comes from. Mm -hmm. I'm afraid to say that, but it's, it's kind of true. And, and I say that having hired thousands of veterans in uh -huh. my civilian jobs, right? And so it's a wonderful journey. But my problem was that I got tired teaching veterans one at a time, right? One by one yeah. by one. When you're hiring hundreds and thousands, it's very inefficient. And I was finally motivated to say, I need to write all this stuff down. And not just for the veteran who's transitioning. And my book is in a voice where I'm speaking to the transitioning veteran. Mm -hmm. It's also for the companies that hire them. When you read my book, even if you're not a veteran, what you read is one veteran talking to another yeah, and, and telling that other veteran how to assimilate into industry. And it's like listening into a conversation. My corporate friends might never serve non-vet friends said, I loved reading the book. It was really fascinating for me to get that perspective because I never heard it before. And so I encourage HR folks, recruiters, and leaders, business mm -hmm. leaders with veteran employees to read it as well. Excellent. Well, all right. So I think we've definitely covered kind of where this, what the situation is with transitioning veterans. We've covered some of the ways that companies can really help to make veterans successful. I'd like to unpack just a little more kind of how that can really turn into a superpower. I think we touched on it, mm -hmm. but I'd like to really unpack a little extra. When I first joined my first company, about a month into that, my new career, somebody said, we need somebody to volunteer to lead a pursuit, mm -hmm. a new business development pursuit. And I had no desire to be a business development guy. I wanted to be a business management guy, right? And, and so business leader. But I realized I knew nothing about leading a pursuit for a new acquisition yeah. program. So I said, okay, you know, I'll do it. I'd never done anything like that before. And I knew it was going to take a lot of work. So what I said to my wife was, pretend I'm on deployment again. And that, those are the words that, you know, a civilian says, what, what are you talking about? Well, I'm going to be gone. I'm going to be working basically seven days a week, you know, 10 hour days, maybe mm -hmm. sometimes longer until I figure this out. And then once I figured it out, hopefully that'll be able to ease off. And I did this for three months, not quite as long as my normal deployments, but, I was but say, you yeah, know, floats normally six to nine months. Yeah, that's a superpower. I mean, you know, now did, did I have others, non-veteran employees, do the same kind of thing over the course of my civilian career? You bet I did. Of course I did. But when you ask a veteran to do that, it's like nothing different, right? It's yeah. just a, you know, same old, same old. Oh yeah, you want me to go? No, I've done that a hundred times. Okay, sure. 
at least I get to go home at night, right? Yeah. So, which I never got to do when I was on real deployment. That's one thing. Just think of a conversation that I had with former coworker. He came out of the army. And so, you know, Mm -hmm. we were talking about some of the eye rolling frustrations we have, you know, then he goes, well, on the other hand, you have to remember nobody's shooting at you. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And I use that line. Nobody's shooting at you. You can always come back and try again. Even if it it ends up being at another company. I mean, the worst thing that could happen is you have to go and find another job, but nobody's shooting at you. Absolutely. I didn't spend a lot of time in Afghanistan, but I went there. And I would hear people whine about things. And I said, look, all right, yeah, this sucks. Let me put in perspective for you. You're not being asked to go in a submerge for 70 days yeah. in a submarine. Or, and you're not being asked to you know, be a target of these ballistic missiles that are coming in yeah. to, at the time, Iraq. Or you, know, you can go down the list of things you're not being asked to do. So now that we have that perspective, does this really suck that bad? Yeah, and the answer exactly. is, of course, no. No, it's doable. It's, yeah. it's eminently doable. All right. So then just, just kind of capping it all off. The thing that I'm really taking out of all this, and especially for anybody who's listening, who's thinking about, you know, how is it that it's best to really work veterans into your organization? I would say number one is on the front end, make sure that they have the tools so they can develop some of those influence-based leadership skills Mm -hmm. that are not employed as frequently in the military. But then number two is just really have an open dialogue with them, you know, just about what some of their superpowers are, what the things that they can bring to really help the organization. Because, you know, at least just speaking from my observations, everybody I know that's served, you know, they want to do an exceptional job, especially if you've been in for a number of years, most likely you've spent that entire time putting 100% effort into trying to be the best at whatever you do, you know, that is a very productive motivation for employers. Yeah. And, you know, also, have the conversation with the veterans about what is important to the company, how the company measures success. And I go through that in the book as well, because there are too many, I would say, non-vet managers who are afraid to have those conversations with the veteran, either because in particular leadership conversations, right? Because they're afraid they're going to insult the veteran or the business conversation because they're afraid they're going to belittle or or demean Uh the veteran's intelligence. Don't be afraid to have those conversations. Yeah. I even tell my never served employer friends, stop saying thank you for your service to your veteran employees. I don't mean stop saying it writ large, but don't do anything that's going to cause your veteran employees to be treated differently mm-hmm. than anybody else. Because you're just drawing a line between them and your other employees, which, and that line does not need to be drawn. So, you know, just help them understand help them measure success and find success. And they're going to be the best employees you have. Outstanding. Well, we really, really appreciate you coming on the show today. And uh, make sure to give out your website. Yeah. My website's William Toti, spelled T-O-T-I.com, WilliamToti.com. And my book is From CEO to CEO, A Practical Guide for Transitioning from Military to Industry Leadership. And it's available everywhere. Excellent. Well, William, thanks so much. And I hope you have a great day. You too, Doug. Thank you for having me. Take care. Hey, thanks for watching to the end of the video. There's just a couple of things that I need from you right now. Number one is I need you to subscribe. If you're not already a subscriber to the channel, please hit the subscribe button and turn notifications on. That way you will know every time I publish new content. Number two, comment, share your thoughts. I want to know what you did and didn't like. What should I make next? 
And number three, share this with your friends. Go on to Facebook or Instagram or LinkedIn, wherever you uh, you hang out socially, and then post a link to this video and let people know what you liked about it and make sure to tag me. And then what I would also like to do is I would like to offer you the most incredible free gift ever. And this is related to my business where I help other businesses reduce their contract related costs. If you are a decision maker at a business, then I want to talk with you to see about how we can address your contract costs and drive savings. If you know somebody who is a business decision maker, then I would like you to help me get in contact with them. And in exchange, I am going to give you a absolutely free vacation at one of 30 places across the United States with no obligation and no timeshare pitch. Uh, the value of this, again, depending on how much savings we achieve, can literally be between thousands and millions. So anyway, just hit the button below for the most incredible free gift ever. Make sure to subscribe, share, and comment, and watch the next video because I'll be at you with more.